everyone. Welcome to another weekly episode of Limitless Podcast. My name is Sanjana and I'm your host today. Uh, I'm joined by Randy. He's a sales leader at Volante Technologies. He has been in the sales industry for the last two decades. Randy, thank you so much for joining in today and I take absolute pleasure to talk to you. It's a, it's a pleasure to talk to you too. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. So, uh, Randy, I understand that I could ask you anything about, you know, sales processes or strategies uh, because you have vast experience uh, in the sales industry. But today I want to focus on why should sales team adopt communication and storytelling as a strategy for success, right? So um, before we get into the nitty gritty of the topic, Randy, can we get started with just a brief introduction about your career sure. journey? And how did you venture into sales at the beginning of your career? Sure. Um, yeah. So I've, I've been a sales and revenue leader for, as you said, over two decades um, in, a, in several different industries, primarily financial services. I've been a salesperson. I've been a, um, a, you know, a sales leader. I've been a sales educator in many ways, um, owned revenue, built businesses, primarily um, in banking, real estate. Um, also in technology, the last um, dozen years with Salesforce and with a company called Blue Wolf, which is a Salesforce implementer. Uh, more recently, I've spent some time with IBM, and now I'm at Volante Technologies, as you said, where we're in the cloud payments as a service segment. All right. All right. So, yeah, that's awesome. Now, uh, I think we can get into the uh, questions that I have for you today. Uh, let's start with this one first. Uh, What's storytelling got to do with sales? And you know, why should a salesperson focus on communication and storytelling as a key strategy? Um, I mean, I, that's a great question. And I love that you asked me because I am a huge believer, not only in storytelling, but with the idea of creating a persuasive narrative. So in reality, yeah. no one ever completes a sale unless you've brought the buyer to a point where they commit to the buy. And in order to do that, you've got to catch them on a number of levels. You've got to catch them on a logic or an IQ level, but you also have to catch them on an emotion or an EQ level. And in many cases, storytelling is that bridge. And storytelling is, is the ability to make complex subjects um, more understandable, uh, it has the ability to create like the synthesis or the seeding of trust. And there's just a number of ways in which um, it's essential, I think, to comprehension. And, and without comprehension by your buyer, you're not going to, no matter how good your product is, if you, if you don't bridge the comprehension gap, you won't get to that sale. All right. So how do we tap into the emotional uh, and other questions that you mentioned? How do we tap into that? Do you have any examples? Um, yeah, I think there's a number of ways to do it. I, I think there's a lot of, I think, soft skills that you can think about. And then there's also hard skills. Um, from a soft skills perspective, you know, there are many things that I, I think are um, sort of self-evident, but at the same time, they're often hard to put into practice sometimes. Um, yeah. Curiosity, natural curiosity, being an effective listener and understanding how to um, quickly understand and assess the temperament or the communication style of your client is, is critical because when, when 
when you create that sense of curiosity and that ability to listen, um, you're also then starting to feel very authentic to them. And I think that that is the first um, um, step in getting them to open up and really reveal what their needs are and what their intentions are a little bit. So I, I think many studies have said that, that buyers buy on emotions supported by data rather than the other way around. And, and I think the, the, the data, salespeople often get um, trapped a little bit in the uh, intricacies of their product or their offering, whatever it might be. And so you, you tend to learn your pitches and you yeah. tend to get into situations where you're, you're spilling your pitches out because your company trains you to do that. And they train you for their offerings and they train you. And what happens when you do that is you, you, you lose, um, you lose that first, um, that first step towards building mutual communication, mutual listening, mutual connection. And so without that, you, you, you risk losing their comprehension. And as I said before, without that comprehension, you won't, you won't get that sale made. So oh, I think yeah. storytelling is a really good way of doing that because it tends to, it tends to humanize, it tends to take complex subjects exactly. and make them simple. And that, that simplicity, that's another, I think, I think a couple of mistakes that salespeople can make is get caught into pitches. And so that they think about that rather than comprehension, number one. And they also get caught into the idea that they need to be sophisticated and complex in their selling messages. Uh, when in many cases, the opposite is true. When you can reduce it down to a very simple proposition, uh, and a very simple, understandable um, um, solution to a need, you're getting closer to acceptance by the buyer and storytelling is just a really good vehicle for that. I've used it effectively in many, many times. All right, so uh, could you take us through a few scenarios because you have uh, used storytelling uh, and uh, could you take us through a few scenarios where it has impacted a deal closure or you know, prospecting success? Um, yeah, and I think they vary. I, I think for me as a sales leader coming in, I've been involved in many times in, in complex selling where you have cross-functional teams who are there. You may have um, sales leaders, you may have technical people, you may have data people, you may have compliance, you may have a yeah. whole cross-section. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm very um, careful to observe the room and observe the, the dynamics and try to quickly assess the, the audience. And, and I know that it's going to be important to deliver a little bit of value to everybody. You've got you've to understand that the CFO is going to need you to dollarize and monetize the conversation. You know that the risk officer is going to need um, to have their security concerns touched. You know that the that the technical people are going to want to understand the architecture. So you have to make sure that you're, you, you, you know how to make a relatable story out of your product and your pitch. So there's just a number of ways to do that, I think. And I, I think if you can, if you can, if you can create, um, if, if you could create a, a connection via a story, you're getting that much closer to understanding. So, and, and I think, you know, a little humor obviously goes a long ways, but that's, you have to sprinkle that carefully. 
Um, and for me, I think in many cases, the best, best ways are when I think about telling a story that maybe has three elements in it. You know, there's a, okay. there's a little antidote about yourself. Okay. There's a little bit of an antidote about a challenge in the world. And there's a little bit of an antidote or a touch point about either an individual that's your customer or the client as an organization. So for me, it's a rule of threes, a story that has a little bit about myself. You know, the other day when I was reading to prepare to come to this meeting, I saw an article and I was telling my wife about this and it reminded me of a situation in the world that I think impacts the way you will be thinking about your business in the future. And you're, you're tying yourself to something larger in the world that's changing to a problem or a need they have. And you're finding some thread of connection, whatever that might, whatever that might be. And that rule of threes for me is really, is really effective. And if you can do that, um, and there's, you know, what I would call like, folding like a little bit of an EQ journey into it, meaning people have lots of emotions. You know, they're happy, they're sad, they're worried, they're relieved, you know, and they're like different colors of a rainbow. And if you can give a conversation, the more colors you touch, the more aspects of someone's emotional fabric you're hitting, and the more they feel like this person is listening to me. This person is understanding because their yeah. emotions are triggering an acceptance, right? And then you can interject um, aspects of your of your value, whether it's you know whether it's a deep technical conversation around integrations or whether it is a, a financial conversation around a business case. So you you've you've prepared the the soil of your audience to grow an idea. If you don't do that, you're just planting a seed without preparing the soil. Okay. And um, I think, you know, a salesperson cannot neglect uh, the pitch altogether. So how can a salesperson marry pitch with the story? Uh, how do we combine the pitch and the story so that, you know, the pitch also uh, gets across and uh, there's this humanizing factor to the pitch? Yeah. And I think there's a, you know, companies have different cultures too. You have your product and your offer and you have the the pitch you know yeah. i come a little bit from a from a my personal perspective is to try to to be a little pitchless if possible and i i, okay. I personally try to be more of that curious questioner to be yeah. able to create what i would consider to be a series of like diagnostic questions like i want to personally devote more time to thinking about the three or four questions i want to ask them and then from there, think about my pitch almost as if it's a reference library, almost as if I'm asking questions. I've got a library of ideas, a library of solutions, a library of offers. And based on how I hear their answers come back, I'm going to start thinking about what piece of that I want to use. And I know all products don't necessarily work that way, but I think it's important because, you know, one of the things. Um, I think it's important to talk about is the nature of sales and the expectation of salespeople in today's market is changing too. So, you know, you have, first of all, you have the obvious, we live in a pandemic economy now where face-to-face yeah. -face selling has changed. And so people are, are much more virtual. So interestingly enough, 
I read a study that says 90% of um, sellers believe they have to change the way they sell in a virtual setting, but 68% of those sellers use the exact same materials they prepare to go to a face-to-face -face meeting. So they know there's a need, but they haven't adapted to that, right? Yeah. I, I saw another piece of data from Gartner that says by 2025, 82% of sales that are B2B oriented will, will happen in more of a digital enhanced virtual selling motion, um, augmented by machine learning, augmented by AI, other things. 44% of millennials no longer want a salesperson involved in their transaction anymore. Okay. Because, because the traditional view of a seller is that pitch. I'm going to give you the functions and features and details. When in reality, they have, you know, today's customer is everywhere. They can search online. They can network for peers. You have access. You know, you don't need the salesperson to deliver that anymore. Here's the two places you need salespeople. You need salespeople okay. in, in very complex selling motions where, okay. where you have a client need and you have a product and only the salesperson can explain the Venn diagram overlap of where the product comes together and how to make the business case and how to create the solution. So a yes. seller is needed in complex buy situations to take a client through the business case to make that a reality. And Sellers are also needed when they can be effective at establishing digital sales rooms that create high velocity, high for information selling motions. But the rest of it, where if you're just, if it's just a pitch, it's, it's too consumable. They can research it. They can find it. They can get it other places. So you sellers have to challenge themselves in a virtual world. They have to challenge themselves to tell a better story in a virtual world. And they have to challenge themselves to add a different type of value than they're used to adding, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that totally makes sense. And um, uh, do you think there is a, yeah. You no, go no, ahead? go. No, no, please go. <laughs> okay. So do you think there is a stage in the sales funnel where, you know, storytelling works better? Yes, and, and I'll come back to your other answer. So there is a place obviously for all of the denser conversation. I think storytelling is critical um, in the early stages of a funnel, early at the top of the funnel conversations, where again, where you're, you're building that first, those first little seeds of trust you know, in many yeah. cases, I'm talking about more of a white space call where, you know, it's a new client, not an existing business relationship. You're opening those doors and you need you need to create that bridge. Um, I think top of the funnel, it is needed. I, I think storytelling is, is especially needed in cross-functional teams where, you know, if you have, if, you, if you're in, for example, a technical sale and you have you know, my solution architects talking to their solution architects and they're discussing, you know, architecture and integration strategies and where their data sources are going to be and where that resides. That can run as deep as it wants. But if you have a cross-functional team that has different aspects of the organization, you need, yeah. a, you need quick stories. You need to be able to reduce those to very simple things. You know, okay. you need to be able to take, in my case, the payments business, where we're yeah. talking about processing payments globally. And I need to be able to say, well, look, it's really simple. We have, it's like a train running on the tracks. You know, you have, 
boarding passengers on the front side. That's what we call pre-processing. You have the rails of the train. That's simply how we do a fed wire. You have them getting off the train at the other side. That's what we call the disposition. That's what this is. So if you hear us talk about moving money on a fed wire, it is that, think of that train track. You need to be able to find a real quick antidote so that the finance guy goes, okay, now I got it. I understand that. I had no exactly. idea what a fed wire transfer was, but I understand yeah. now what a train, what a train does, right? So you need, I think you need that to make complex things simple. And you need that to kind of be the, the seeding of trust in the top of a funnel. All right, all right. And um, my next questions are about, you know, how can a salesperson move forward in the career? Since, you know, I, I wanted to ask this because you have vast experience in this, you know, in the sales industry. So uh, what do you think are important skills that a salesperson should, uh, you know, work on? So I, I think I've got, I work right now with this phenomenal salesperson. Uh, okay. Very successful um, and, and I, I've broken him down into four characteristics that I think make sense. One, he's got an innate drive to him. Two, okay. he's got an insatiable curiosity. And I, I, you've heard me say curiosity several times because yeah. I think it's important. Yeah. You know, I always, I always joke. It's like showing up for a blind date. If you show up for a blind date and your date talks about themselves the entire time, that's not very satisfying, is it? You don't want someone to just show up and talk about themselves. You want someone who's yeah. curious about you, who's curious about what you do, curious about how your process is, right? So right. I think that curiosity is number two. You know, okay. innate drive, curious, you bring a certain amount of experience, you have the ability to solution a problem, you have the ability to work with a client and say, wouldn't it be neat if we could do this, right? And then you can wrap it, if you can wrap it all in an authentic style. So drive, curiosity, certain amount of experience, solution or problem solving, and wrapped in an authentic kind of um, tone, um, I think you can be very, very successful as a salesperson. All right. Now, having and said that, having said that, I'll say one more thing. Yeah, you know sure. what Roomba the vacuum is? Have you ever heard of Roomba the vacuum, the robotic vacuum that roll? Is it? No. Oh, you haven't. Okay. Well, then I'll save that antidote. But I, 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 um, I have, I have a robotic vacuum that okay. that operates in the in the in our house, and you just turn it on and it just vacuums, and it's the perfect salesperson because it has a single mission. It comes out. It works. Every time it hits a wall or an obstacle, it pivots, it turns, it keeps going. It knows it has one job to vacuum. A salesperson yeah. has one job to create revenue. The other thing salespeople struggle with sometimes is they forget what their mission is. They forget it's their mission to hunt revenue. It's their mission to create customer relationships. They start thinking about the back office or the accounting or how their pricing model is off or how their service delivery is off, or how you know, other competitors have offered something they don't have. And they start introducing into their minds all these side things and start exactly. which they start to forget that their job is to vacuum, their job is to sell, their job is to build those front client relationships. And they have to do that with purpose and with will. And every time you hit an obstacle, you pivot and move around it. You don't pivot and come backwards. So, you know, I think sales, salespeople's um, 
salespeople have to be single-minded in that vision a little bit. All right. I think I definitely have to take this clip and promote on social media heavily because this makes uh, you know sense. I think a lot of people are you know doing this mistake. They they hit the wall and then they they just you know uh, think what's going to happen next because the product is not good, the pricing is not good, and then you know they stop selling or they keep complaining, right? I think that shouldn't happen. It's very easy because it's tough. You're, you're living in a world of no's. You're living in the no all the time. You're living in the obstacle all the time. You're in the white space and you, do, you want the company to listen to you and hear what's actually happening. Listen to what customers are actually saying. And you tend to, you tend to start to get sort of, you know, deflated is not the right word, but, but all of the, you know, all of the obstacles start to pile up on you and you've got to flesh yeah. them out and recognize that it doesn't matter. Your job is to extend the company. You, everybody's, you have to think about your own accountability before you start thinking about all the others. I have to sell the bright side of the apple. I have to go into the unknown. I have to do those things. And so, you know, I think that that's a mindset, how salespeople respond to adversity is like hugely important, I believe. Sounds right. All right. So I think we've come to the last question. Uh, so what's your icebreaker when engaging with the prospect? I don't like the little novelties. I don't like the little stories necessarily. I, okay. I, like, I like knowing enough about the client that I've tried to read something about their industry, some fact. And I, I like to come in and very, you know, kind of cavalierly say, um, you know, it's great to see you. Good to see you. Um, funny, you know, I was having breakfast three days ago and I was reading content and I saw this article that made me think of you. And then to introduce something, if you're going to create some small talk, yeah. create small talk that's on point to their industry, because okay. here's the here's the best thing a salesperson can think about when he's trying to make a sale in terms of like a storyline to be able to say in some form or fashion, the world is changing. Your industry is changing. People are adapting. There are going to be winners and they're going to be losers as this continues to change. And the yeah. winners are making these decisions. You don't tell the client, that his current solutions are bad because that's just going to get a defensive reaction, right? You don't tell him that their architecture is old or their product is old. You tell them that the winners are evolving and taking these steps because you want him to think, I want to be a winner. You want him to say, well, what steps are they taking, right? So to be able to come in, I, I'd rather research something related in their industry at some level, not the company itself, just something. And I'd rather, you know, come up with a couple of questions and come in there and, and throw that in as an icebreaker. Got it, got it. Awesome. So, all right, I think we've reached the end of the episode. So before I wrap it up, let's do a quick rap, rapid fire. So I'll ask you a series of questions and you have to give me answers from the top of your mind. Okay. Ready, let's go. Whose content do you follow the most on LinkedIn? Allie Miller. Who do you follow? Allie Miller. All right. Allie Miller, okay. she's a she's an AI prodigy. Okay, okay. I'll give her LinkedIn profile in the podcast description. And uh, what's your favorite book on sales? Um, 
mastering the complex sale. Okay. And what kind of data would you like to have access to as a sales leader? Data about future, your customers. Um, I want future about. I want future forward data. I I wanna. I always want to think about where the world is headed. So um, I don't put, I put some stock in historical data, but I would rather know future forward projections to know how to position my talk tracks. Okay. What's the most overrated sales trend? Interesting. Uh, confidence. Okay. What's your most successful sales channel? Could be email, events, calls. Uh, successful sales channel. Yeah. I don't know if LinkedIn's a channel or not, but I think I would look to LinkedIn right now. All right. Yeah. And mention few tools that will help sales teams. Number one, virtual collaboration tools. We all miss being able to go into a white room and sit down and write on the walls and do post-it notes and create and ideate. There's a tool that I use called Mural. Um, okay. M-U-R-A-L. It's a virtual collaboration tool. It allows you to create that synthetic sense of 10 people working at the same time on a whiteboard. All right, all right. And um, the last question, what would you say to yourself as you were getting your career started? Don't spend so much time thinking about where you're going or where you've been that you're not enjoying where you are because it's very easy even to forget that you're moving up the ladder because the ladder never ends. You know, I think this is a challenging business. Um, it's very easy. You're meant, I'm very big proponent on the mental approach to things. And over the last couple of years, I've become more appreciative of the mindful aspects. And I think, you know, take time to flush your brain out so you can stay fresh in the present sometimes. You'll be a better salesperson and you'll enjoy the journey a little more. All right, all right, Randy, that was fun. Um, do you have anything to share with our listeners? Do you have any advice for our listeners or do you have a story that you've been dying to tell? I don't know that I have a story that I'm dying to tell as much as just um, a recognition that sometimes your best work comes when you feel like you're just about at that point of failure. Sales is a very funny thing that way. You know, you're never as you're you're never as good as the highs feel, and you're never as bad as the lows feel. And um, you know, I I I think recognizing. Um, I think recognize just recognizing if 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 you are someone who thrives in that journey, both the highs and the lows, because there are a lot of good things that come out of both highs and the lows. The highs are where you get a chance to, you know, sort of revel in some success. But those moments when you feel like I don't have any sale, I don't have a pipeline, my sales manager doesn't understand what I'm doing. Um, you know, those are really the moments where you learn the most, where you're the most creative, where you're, man you're carrying stress, but you're thinking through how to problem solve for things. Um, I, I just, my, I, it's not a story, it's more of a piece of advice. You know, don't, yeah. don't let the highs um, inflate your head too much. 
and don't let the lows pull you down too much. That's the life of a salesperson. That makes a great quote. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Um, awesome, Randy. Thanks for, thanks for spending your time with me today. Uh, I absolutely loved your energy and enthusiasm throughout the episode. Um, I'll uh, give you a LinkedIn profile link in the podcast description so people can connect with you later. All Perfect. right. It was nice talking to you, Randy. See you again. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Yeah.